Good morning. I hope you all are continuing to uh, give thanks to God daily for all the things that he has done. We only know a portion of what God's done. When we get to heaven, we'll, we'll understand more fully how, how gracious, how generous, how faithful God has been to us. But uh, it's, it's great we as a country have one day a year we celebrate and thank, give thanks. Some people have no idea who they're giving thanks to. But we do. We know we give thanks to God because the Bible tells us every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And, uh, you know, during that, that Thanksgiving time, between then and Christmas becomes so busy for all of us. And our schedules get full. Our attention gets fragmented to all different things that we have to do to prepare. And, um, you know, we, we need to be aware that it's it really is a special time, not just for thanking God, but being aware of all the, the good things God's given us in, in initially with his son. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, three weeks from today <laughs> is Christmas. So if you're not ready, you got some time. But you know, we should be ready because every year it happens this way. We head into the, the slam of Thanksgiving to Christmas and, and things get busy and everybody gets out and we don't want to fight the crowds, but we have to because we waited. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is always coming and we need to be aware of it. But I don't know if you know that there were records set on, on uh, the five days between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday. Uh, during the, those five days, there was a record set for the amount of money spent. And we know, we know Black uh, Friday is a day that's really well known, but they set a record this year on Black Friday for sales of $9.1 billion. Now, I don't know about you, I, my brain doesn't comprehend that. So I read and hear $9.1 billion and I'm like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of gifts. And we know, we, we aren't fooled into thinking that everybody's buying gifts for somebody else because some of us are waiting for Black Friday to get the gifts on things that we've had our eye on for a while. But then Cyber Monday hit a new record. $11.1 billion spent. It's, it's, it's incalculable. To me, I just don't comprehend that amount of money being spent, but somebody's spending it. But the five days between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday, a new record of $35.5 billion were spent, which is astounding. And most of it was spent on gifts being given to other people. And we're, we're a people that, that know that this is a time to give gifts, but we don't always understand why we give gifts. And, and we understand, as Christians, we should understand the reason why we give gifts because the greatest gift of all was given, that we celebrate the gift of Christ. And we sang that. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son. And our God is a giving God. He is a gift-giving God. He is always giving gifts. He gave his son. His son, the son of God, Jesus, gave his life to give us the gift of salvation. The Son of God, Jesus, and the Father gave the gift of Holy Spirit to come into our, as believers, lives. 
And Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, gives gifts to each one of us as God wills. And so gifts are, are so important. And, and I don't know if you recognize, I didn't until I really sat down and thought about it, but you know, there are some things that are connected with our giving of gifts. Now, we say we give without strings attached, but there are sometimes some things that we have attached to our giving of gifts that we don't realize. And first thing, when we give a gift, uh, we want people to realize that, that there is an effort made. And then when we give gifts, isn't there an expense? And when we give gifts, we, we have an expectation usually tied to those gifts. When we get a gift, we think about the person who we're going to give it to. We, we want them to like it. We want them to value it. And we want them to benefit from it. And so when we give gifts, and I think we've all experienced this, where you, you give a gift and you want to hear, oh, thank you. And sometimes we just hear, oh, you shouldn't have. And we know what that means. We know that that was kind of an oops. We, we kind of missed the mark. But, you know, when we, when we do give gifts, we, we, want, we want somebody to acknowledge and appreciate what we've done. We want somebody to value and treasure what we've given. And we want somebody's life to be benefited and enhanced. And God, who is a gift giver, desires the same thing. And what we may not realize is we're, we're, we're moving into the time where gifts are exchanged and, and a lot of gifts are given. And we, we, the last thing we want is we, want, we don't want to give a gift to somebody and have it put away in a closet or a drawer or even worse than that. They forget who gave it to them and they re-gift it to you. You know, that's, that's the ultimate insult. It's like, and I had somebody try and weasel out of that when I said, I think I gave that to you a couple of years ago. And you were like, yeah, I liked it so much, I got another one for you. <laughs> and I thought, that was quick thinking. But we, we, we get a lot of gifts at this time, at Christmas time. But I want you to understand that there are gifts given to us all the time. God, as a gift giver, is always giving gifts to us. And when God gives us gifts, he too wants us to acknowledge it and appreciate, to value and treasure it, and to benefit from it and, and use that gift, make use of that gift. And today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about gifts because we need to realize God's given all of us gifts. And so uh, before we go to the word, let's, let's just pray. If you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we know you're everywhere. You said that you're everywhere. But Father, we sometimes don't recognize and don't, don't turn to you in our times of, of challenges or even, even celebration. But Father, we thank you for your presence here today. And we ask you to speak to our hearts, our minds, our situations. We ask for your guidance and your uh, wisdom and understanding. We thank you, Father, that as you bring the light of your word into our lives and Holy Spirit brings revelation to us that we, in applying that revelation, can experience transformation and go from glory to glory today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds, our situations and circumstances to help us realize that we're not alone and that you're there and you care. 
And so, Father, I thank you for good ground of the hearts of the people here and those online that will hear your word and it will bring forth great fruit. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, everyone said. So, so these gifts. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we're going to look at a number of, of things that he wrote to different people, different groups of people, all believers. And uh, we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, where it says this in the J.B. Phillips translation. Naturally, there are different gifts and functions. So there are gifts and functions. There are gifts that are given, and there are functions that we choose to or not choose to walk in. But the gifts are given. They're, they're never taken back. God doesn't say, well, you're not using it, so I'll take it back. It's there. It's a deposit God makes. But the functions, the callings, are an invitation for us to, to choose to walk in a way that God has us, to fulfill a purpose and a plan that he has. So naturally, there are different gifts and functions. Individually, grace is given to us in different ways out of the rich diversity of Christ's giving. As the scripture says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So there's a grace. Now, we were saved by grace, and it's a gift so that none of us boast. There are, there's grace that God gives every one of us every day. There are grace gifts God gives us in situations and circumstances. We, we need them. But he did this because he wanted to enhance our lives. And enhancing our lives, we are able to enrich and enhance other people's lives. The Bible says that as freely as we've received, we need to freely give. When God blesses our lives, it is to bless us, but it's also to be a blessing to others. We can't bless others beyond the degree we've been blessed. So God wants to continuously bring blessing to your life so you can continuously bring blessing to other people's lives. Now, I, I just want to read this in the Living Bible Translation because it gives a little more, uh, a little different perspective. It says, Christ has given us each special abilities, whatever he wants us to have. See, this is all about God. God is a gift-giving God. And when he gives gifts, he gives the perfect gift. And when I say that, we know that because the scripture says, every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above, in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change. So God knows the exact right gift to give you for the purpose and calling he has for your life to have the impact and influence God has for you to have in all the people that you come across their path throughout your lifetime. It goes on to say, out of his rich storehouse of gifts, the psalmist tells us about this, for he said, when Christ returned triumphantly to heaven after his resurrection and victory over Satan, he gave generous gifts to men. So God always gives generous gifts. These are gifts individually that we have, grace gifts, uh, but there are also gifts of people that God gives, and we'll see that a little later today because that's, that's very important. But Paul reminds us that all believers, every one of us sitting here, every one of you at home that has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've been given not only a gift, but you've been given a calling. Sometimes we think, well, you know, gifts are only given to certain people. No, God gives gifts to every person. And sometimes we think, well, you know, only a few people are called. Every one of us is called. And when we talk about callings, it's an invitation. God is giving every one of us an invitation to participate in his plan and purpose that we were created for. Until we do that, we'll never experience 
the fulfillment that God intended. No human being can live a fulfilled life apart from fulfilling the plan that God created him for. So this is, this is what God's doing. And in Romans chapter 12, uh, he, the Apostle Paul tells the group at Rome, the believers at Rome, you, we're, we're believers, we're in Rome, not Italy, but we're still in Rome. So this applies to us. Verse four through six, it says, for as we have many members in one body. Now think about your body. Your body is many different parts. And, and that's what God likens all of us to in the body of Christ. We're all different parts of the same body. Many, many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We see that clearly in our physical body. You know, our hands don't do what our feet do. Now, I've seen people stand on their hands, but they don't do it too long. And, and so I've seen people do things with their feet that their hands could do, but they don't have hands. So they've adapted. But God doesn't want us to adapt. God wants us to fulfill what he created us for. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, he's talking about all of us, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given us, let us what? Use them. Again, one of the saddest things is to have a gift that you give to somebody and they just toss it aside. Or maybe they just put it in their pocket or a closet or, or you know, they just forget about it. They don't even, what would happen? How would you feel if on Christmas morning you were gathered around and you were exchanging gifts and all of a sudden you had given a gift that you had great expectation it was going to be valued? It was going to be a benefit. And that person opens up the gift and they do a, a great job of, of disguising their disappointment. They say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then when everything's over and everybody leaves, you find that gift just sitting there. You know, there'd be a twinge of disappointment. Oh, my gosh. You know, that they didn't value my gift. They didn't see it useful or helpful or or beneficial in their life, and so they just left it. They're not using it. If that's the way we feel, think about how God feels when he gives us gifts, and we don't use them. Now, we may say, you know, I don't, I don't know what the gifts are that God's given me, and then that's viable, that's, that's understandable, but I, I want to give you something. I, if you don't know what the gifts are, write them down. Write the, these two references down. Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those two places, and go to 1 Corinthians first if you have a choice. Uh, those two places indicate some of the gifts that God's given to all of us in the body of Christ. And, and if we're not aware, we can't use it well. But when we become aware of what God's given, all of a sudden God has given us a gift to bless us to be a blessing. And the Bible says it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. You see, the way God's kingdom works is he gives gifts, he blesses somebody, and that gift being given now can bless another. And when we bless another, God makes sure a blessing returns to us. It's a win, win, win situation. Because that's how God does it. God doesn't do anything that anybody loses. When God has his way perfectly, everybody benefits, everybody gains. And so God gives us gifts so that, that we gain, so that others gain, and so that God gets glory. 
And that's, that's what we're here for. We're here for those very things. But we're supposed to use them. Use them. Because an unused gift is robbing us and others. And so the only one that wants to rob and steal and kill and destroy is the enemy. But these gifts are, are just so important. And uh, in verse 7 and 8, it says this. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we get to? Hold on. Oh, okay. Romans 11, sorry about that. Romans 11 tells us about these, these gifts and calls. It says, you see, when God gives grace gifts and issues a call to a, a people, he does not change his mind and take it back. So all of these things are given. If we don't use them, God's not saying, okay, I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to give it to him. They're ours. We're going to give an account for that. And, and again, what God does is he gives us these gifts and these calls, these invitations to function in a certain way, to be a blessing to others. But in blessing to others, God will make sure that blessing comes back on us so that we can be an even greater blessing than ever before. In Ephesians 4, chapter 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. He's begging you. He's, 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 this is an emotional plea to the church at Ephesus, the believers at Ephesus, he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of what? The call with which you were called. So there is a call that you specifically have a part of. You have a part of that call. We corporately have a call as a church, but we individually have a call too. And, and that call is personal. It's practical. It's something that we each can, can give ourselves to. Goes on to say, and with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there are characteristics that we're supposed to walk this call out with, with humility, with patience, with gentleness, with long suffering, with bearing with one another. And, and just as a sidebar, how much of that are we seeing in our society? How much humility, how much patience, how much bearing with one another are we seeing? In the world, we're not seeing it at all. People are very short with each other. Uh, they, they are just very aggressive and caustic with each other. But it's true even in the church. And when we see that, we see that we're missing some of the mark that God has for us and, and need to make some adjustments. But it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's something that's already there. When we come into the kingdom of God and the body of Christ, we're already interconnected with others. And yet, there are so many things that are dividing us today. Like never before, we see politics and, and opinions and all these other things that are dividing. And, and I just want to give you kind of a reference point this morning for that. When, when we act the way we do and we do the things that we do, before we do them, consider... Is this something that you would do in heaven? Because if we're sending, you know, nasty grams or caustic texts or getting up in somebody's face, when we think about what we're preparing for, we here are preparing for heaven. And so if we wouldn't see that going on in heaven, we need to recognize that's not anything that should be a part of our life here. No matter what anybody does, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to value them. 
we may not be able to celebrate and affirm everything they're doing because God doesn't celebrate and affirm that. But we need to value that person and we need to love that person, but not see them as an enemy. So, it goes on to say, keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of what? Your calling. One hope of your calling. See, your calling, every one of our callings, is hope-filled. And when we talk about hope, it's a confident expectation of good. You know, in the world, hope is, I wonder, I hope. It's an uncertainty. But in the kingdom of God and in the word of God, when God says he's the God of hope, it's a confident expectation of good. So you're calling. There's a confident expectation of good that God has in you. God has in you. God has a confidence in you. And it's a confidence of good. And I'm just going to ask you to just bow your heads, close your eyes for a second, because there's something that the enemy continues to do, and he is so effective with this. He just undermines our confidence that God, number one, loves us, and God sees good in us. And I want to tell you today that God loves you. God sees you through the blood of Jesus. God sees the good in you. God sees the potential in you. God is not expecting perfection from you. But God is going to help in bringing you progress to go from glory to glory. What you've been is not what you're going to be. What God has for you to be is beyond anything you or anybody else can imagine. But it's what God can empower and impart to you to become. And so today, Father, I just pray right now for every person here that they would get a new revelation, a new understanding of the hope of their calling, the hope you have in their function, the hope you have and the love you have and the value you have in each and every person here. And Father, those things that they've heard, they've experienced, we just pray that those things that don't line up with your truth would drop powerless to the ground. That Holy Spirit would continue to remind us of the truth that sets us free and keeps us free. The truth of your love, of your plan, your provision, your power that's perfect and good all the time. And Father, I thank you for your healing of your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a hope of your calling. Every believer has been given that by God. Different gifts, different callings, unique and individual. We can't look at somebody else and say, well, you know, you're not doing it right because you're not doing it like me. God didn't make you like anybody else. He doesn't want you to do the way anybody else does. God wants you to do it the way he created you to do it, unlike anyone else. And that's where you don't have to compare yourself. And each of us as members of the body have the privilege and the responsibility to put to use God's gifts and callings to the benefit of others, not just in the body of Christ, but in the world. They need you who are called. And just as we read in the beginning where as Jesus triumphed, he went to heaven triumphantly, 
he gave gifts to men. And there are the individual gifts, the personal gifts that he gives, but he also gives gifts of people to us, the church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, we're going to see this. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Who gave them? Okay. Again, God gives good and perfect gifts. But understand that although the gift is perfect, the person isn't. There's no perfect person but Jesus. And so he gave to the church these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. So sometimes we get this messed up. We think that these are the people that are supposed to do the work and we'll watch. But the Bible says that these gifts of people, these these functioning gifts in the body of Christ are to equip, to develop, to mature people in doing the work of God. It goes on to say, uh, and build up the church and the body of Christ. This is, will continue until we come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, what's that next word? Mature, mature. We're all, all supposed to be growing and maturing, uh, moving out. A sign of immaturity is, is us being consumer-oriented. It's all about us, what we want, what we need, and what we need to get. And when we mature, we move from being a consumer to a contributor. When somebody's mature, and, and many times we just look at moms, moms, for the most part, are so selfless and sacrificial in how they, they take care of their kids. And that's a sign of maturity. So we move from being consumers to contributors. We look more to give than we look to get. Me, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we're, we're supposed to be gaining on being like Jesus, the characteristics, the character of Christ we're supposed to be growing in. And these gifts are what help us to grow. They're grace gifts. Then in verse 14 and 15, it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of what? New teaching. I'm telling you, we, we have this attraction to new. It's got to be new, got to be new, got to be new. And this has always been because we think new is better. But uh, last week I was listening to Jeremy's message and uh, one of the things he said is there's nothing new. And there isn't. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does things that we've never be seen before, but it's not new. Just because we don't know it doesn't mean it's new. It's just new to us. And so we, we need to realize that when we, we start hearing all these new teachings, we've got to come to understand that we go back to the Bible, back to the Word, back to what we've been taught by these gifts that are teaching the Word of truth. And we'll see this later to say, is this, is this accurate? Because I will tell you right now, I've never seen it before in all my time. And I've been a Christian for a long time. I've never seen so many very well-known ministers say things that are very unscriptural. 
I mean, just like God is not a trinity. God is three persons in one. It's what the Bible says, but now it's being said that that's not true. And this is by high-profile people that if I mention their name, you probably know. And I'm not going to because I'm not here to embarrass anybody, but it causes, Pastor Gabe and I have been talking about this for quite a while, it causes us very high concern, not just for these people. We pray for these people, but we also pray for us because we don't want to be deceived, but that's part of what's happening in this hour. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24 that in the days that we live in, that there will be many that are deceived and will deceive many. And the truth is we're all deceived in areas of our life. We don't even know it. But that's where we can't just be going after this new teaching or that new teaching or this new move or that new move. We have to be going after God who is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it goes on to say, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And so we're growing. We're growing because these gifts God uses to enhance and enrich our lives, to help us to learn things that we need to learn. And the Apostle Paul that wrote this uh, was one of those gifts. He was given to the body of Christ. And we see the influence and impact that he had in writing most of the New Testament, the majority of the New Testament. But in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, it talks about how this came about. He said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace, the, the grace gift of God given me by the effective working of his power. So he was made a minister by the grace of God because God's power was working effectively. When something works effectively or efficiently, it's, it's when it works unhindered. And when God's power begins to work in a person's life unhindered, they're letting God have more of his way in their life than ever before. And when we let God have more way in our lives, guiding and governing and guarding, God's able to do so much more through our lives and in our lives than ever before. And so that's how Paul was made a minister. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 through 3, we see the time when this actually happened, when this moment in time occurred. And it says, one day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. You notice that they waited for guidance. And we've talked about this. We've talked about how important it is to be guided by God, to wait, to ask, to, to uh, seek God for the wisdom that we don't have, for understanding the way that we don't know. But God knows always he has all wisdom. And it goes on to say that the Holy Spirit spoke and said, take Barnabas and Saul. Saul is the apostle Paul before he was, he was set in. But take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. So Holy Spirit, God, was saying, this is the work I have for them to do. I want you to acknowledge it and commission them in this moment. So they commissioned them in a circle of intensity and obedience, of fasting and prayer. They laid hands on their heads and sent them off. And I want to I tell you today that 
God has made it very clear of a gift that, that he's given to uh, not just to the body of Christ, but to this body, the Resurrection Life Church. And uh, it's Jeremy Roberts. And he has been given as a gift uh, to us as a pastor, as one who, who helps us grow and uh, helps be an example. Uh, you guys heard and have heard from him numerous times as he's taught. And I can tell you, I know that there's an impact. I'll, I'll hear from people that, you know, it was a great teaching, and they are. They really are. But again, understand that no matter who it is that God places in these, these five-fold ministry gifts, none is perfect, but they're all developing and trying to grow to the best that God has for them to grow. And so they laid hands and commissioned them and sent them off. Jeremy's not being sent off. He's here. And he's going to stay here as far as we know. But uh, uh, we today are going to commission him and ordain him and set him in as a pastor of Resurrection Life Church. Amen. Every one of you has a gift, has a calling that is going to connect with the other gifts and callings. And when they do, along with the gifts and callings that God has in cases like this where, where somebody is set in as a gift to the body, it causes the body to be strong and vibrant and influential and impacting in the community it is in. And that's what God wants for this body. And uh, so with that, uh, we are ordaining Jeremy and... Uh, I'm going to be reading some things from the Apostle Paul that was written to Timothy. Now, we know that the Apostle Paul wrote to groups of believers like the Romans and the Ephesians and the Philippians, but he also wrote to Timothy, who was one that he was bringing up in the ministry. And today, the things I'm reading, I want you to listen to, but they are specifically for Jeremy to understand. And not that he doesn't, but just remind him and reinforce these things. So Jeremy, listen very carefully as I read these things. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul says, I charge you, today, Jeremy, I charge you, before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come, and I will tell you all now, it's here. What I'm about to say, the Apostle Paul wrote, but it's already here. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Jeremy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he again encourages Timothy. He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness, for bodily exercise profits little. 
But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that is now and of the life which is to come. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to all believers. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. But do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, by prophetic utterance when the elders laid hands on, upon you at your ordination. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and all those that hear you. Jeremy, having heard these things, I'm going to ask you to come in front. And I want you to face the congregation here. Now, you've known Jeremy. Some of you have known him for a long time. And he's Jeremy to you. But from this point on, he should be Pastor Jeremy. And the reason why is the Bible tells us that if a prophet or a pastor or any of the ministry gifts is not received as what God has given them, you will not receive the benefit of that gift. And so you, you may choose not to call him that, but if you do, you're acknowledging the gift God's given and there's an expectation already associated with it that God can meet things in your life that Jeremy can't, that Pastor Jeremy can. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Gabe to come. I'm going to ask you as a congregation to which this gift is being given to for you to extend your love, your faith, and if you would, your hands as we pray for him and commission him and ordain him for this office. Father God, today is a good day. Today is an awesome day because you are in it. We praise your holy name. This day is special for another reason. For dedicating one of your sons to a higher commitment to serving, to ministry. We rejoice and thank you for this blessing. We come this morning to set apart this man for the spread and the proclamation of this good news, this gospel. As we set him apart, we pray that you would separate every component of his being for you. Set apart his eyes. Equip them to see Christ in all of scripture. To see the richness and beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Set apart his lips to speak the truth with boldness and clarity. To proclaim it with wisdom and gentleness. Set apart 
his ear to hear what you have to say to him by your Holy Spirit. To hear the needs of the congregation. To hear the hidden sorrows of their hearts. To hear your guiding ways in his shepherding along with the elders of this congregation. Set apart his heart so that it beats with love for the lost and for the people who you have entrusted to him and set apart his backbone to stand strong and firm for the truth, to stand firm as your word, as your church come under attack from so many, many different directions. May he often be on his knees seeking the help of your spirit to empower your word as it is proclaimed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you give today to us here at Resurrection Life Church. Father, we thank you that he is a good gift and you are doing great things in him. Father, we pray that the eyes of his understanding and our understanding would be open to recognize the hope of this calling, the impact and the benefit that will come from Jeremy stepping into the calling you have for him at this time. And Lord, we thank you for courage. We thank you for strengthening his heart to stand strong and firm in truth and in the light of your word when others choose to depart. Lord, we thank you for uh, the gifts that you place in him and use in him. Father, we thank you for the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits that, Father, will be necessary for him to be able to impact and impart to this congregation the things that you have. Lord, we thank you for his faithfulness. We thank you, Father, for uh, his continued faithfulness to you. And Lord, we, we look to see you continue to uh, cause him to grow in your grace and in your knowledge, to work in him, to will and to do your good pleasure, and to cause him to be a pillar a pillar in your church, one who is known and makes you known. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you continue to guide him with your eye. Uphold him and establish his steps. For you said the steps of the righteous are ordered of you. And lead him in paths of righteousness, truth, and holiness. And Father, we pray today that the sword of the Spirit would be used to cut through anything the enemy has tried to entangle or ensnare him in. That Father, he would be holy as you are holy, as you have for all of us to be holy. We thank you that we are Someone that you are, are working in just as you are working in Jeremy. 
But Father, we thank you that he is not just Jeremy. He is Pastor Jeremy, a gift given to us here at Resurrection Life Church in the body of Christ. And so we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. We thank you, Father, for this gift that you give. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. We need to look up. You know, one of the things that we're always aware of is that when God gives gifts, it's because of his great love. And God loves us here greatly. And this is a wonderful gift that he's given. And I know you're uncomfortable standing here looking at everybody, but now you know what it's like. <laughs> well, I'm going to give everybody a chance after we dismiss to come up and just welcome Jeremy and appreciate Pastor Jeremy as the gift that he is. And uh, But before we do... I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads one more time. Just as, as Pastor Jeremy is a gift given, God gave the gift of his son, Jesus, to come into this world and to live a sinless life and die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And that gift is like any other gift. Uh, it's available to everyone. But it needs to be received by each one. And if you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're online and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. And I want to invite you to, to join me today in a prayer of giving yourself to the Lord and receiving Jesus as Lord of your life. I'm going to invite all of us to pray together. So if you would pray with me, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, was raised, glorious and victorious, to be seated in heaven. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guard me, guide me, and govern me. From this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, before we dismiss, I'm going to pray for you when we dismiss, but there are two more things as a family. We, we know we need to be caring for each other, and uh, I'm going to ask you to be praying for Molly Barton. That's Kirsten and Ben's uh, daughter, Miss Lynn's granddaughter. She has been really battling uh, RSV and some other things, just like a lot of our children are, and we need to be praying for our children. There's a real attack of the enemy on our kids, and we need as as believers and adults, to stand up for our kids in faith. And also for uh, Tim Jakubiak, who is in the hospital. He's had some medical issues. We, too, can be praying. The Bible says there's no time or distance in the spirit. Jesus sent his word, and people were healed. And so we're going to pray right now, but continue to keep these people in prayer, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
Thank you for the healing that you bring to uh, Molly and to all of our children. Father, we thank you that, that uh, you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. We know that you can use doctors and medicine and nurses and uh, technology to bring healing, but you are our healer. So, Father, we right now speak healing to these children, to Molly and to all these other children that are battling. Father, we thank you that your life, your health, your wholeness, your vitality would increase and symptoms and sickness uh, would have to flee. Lord, we thank you for what only you can do. And Father, we thank you for Tim. We thank you, Father, for your spirit that lives in him, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that quickens his body. We thank you, Father, for the quickening power, the abundant life that's flowing in Tim's body. And that, Father, sickness and disease and, and symptoms have to go. Life abound. We thank you for the abundant life you give to Tim. And to all those here today that are in need of healing, Father, we thank you for healing. Thank you for healing bodies. We thank you for healing minds. We thank you for healing souls. And Father, we thank you. You are a God of restoration. Thank you for healing relationships. We thank you, Father, for the goodness you show us every day in every way. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. And now I just want to pray for you before you go. And um, I'm going to ask Becky and, and your children to come up here. Because as the calling comes to Jeremy, oh no, you're going to stand next to him, not me. As the calling comes to Jeremy, it comes to the whole family. This is something that's not exclusive to him. Each one of them has a part. And I'm going to ask you to continue to be praying for the family, for Becky, for each of the children, because when somebody steps up into what God has for them, the enemy comes harder and tries to take out any way he can, but he won't because God is faithful and, and his people are faithful to pray. Amen? So when we dismiss, come up and greet the family, but I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you for going ahead of us and preparing the way. Thank you for upholding us with your right hand of blessing, your right hand of righteousness. And that, Father, you abound us every day with your presence, with your peace, with your power, with your perfect plan full of hope, that, Father, we would walk out in this fallen, broken world as lights in the world, that people would see Christ in us, who is the hope of glory. And so, Father, we thank you for this week. We thank you for your provision, your protection, and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.